You're listening to the Church of the Redeemer Sermon Podcast. Join us at our 10 a.m. worship gathering in Alcoa, Tennessee. Visit us at churchotr.com for more info and to hear other sermons in this series. We have been going through an Advent and now Christmas series on the messy family of Jesus. Going through his genealogy, it's messy. And then we get to the arrival of his birth, and it doesn't get any less messy. As I preach over the next 90 minutes, you are, that's not a joke, you'll get to experience the messiness maybe of your own family. Of course, we have messy families too, and I think one of the biggest reasons we often feel like our family is a mess is that families are hard for us to control. In fact, people are hard to control. And I think one of the major subtexts of the Christmas story, which we just read, is that nobody's really in control except God. We often don't reckon, reckon with ourselves as a mess. We don't reckon with ourselves that we try to control others. And I think to do that, to, to take the message of Christmas seriously, we're going to have to reckon with the fact that control is, is an illusion for us too. We are messy by trying to control others, and control is an illusion for us too, but it's real for God. In this story, no one seems to have control. Not Mary, not Joseph. Mary doesn't have it. She was conceived out of faith of what God had promised her, but it's not like she really had much say in the matter. She was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit to have Jesus living inside of her. And as a first century woman, as a woman who got pregnant out of wedlock, she was completely beholden to her fiance as far as what would happen next. Her financial means, her social support was completely reliant upon Joseph, and she was completely out of control. She needed Joseph to be a good guy and to come through in the clutch, but she was not in control at all. And here he's thinking of divorcing her in verse 19 because she's pregnant, but not by him. By the way, when anybody says, oh, you know, those, the Bible, I can't believe in that because there's miracles there, and we know that that stuff doesn't happen anymore. People in the first century knew how babies were made. And so it was a miracle for them too. The fact that the Bible records that Joseph was having doubts proves that this maybe happened. But Joseph doesn't really have control either. He's not the biological father of Jesus. And so contrary to the modern pride that would kind of tell us that, man, we don't know how babies are made in the first century. They do know how babies are made, as I just said. Joseph's not in control either. He's not in control when he falls asleep and he dreams in verse 20. And an angel comes to him in the dream to reassure him that God is, in fact, in control. And this baby was a miracle. And in verse 24, it says, Joseph did what the angel commanded. Not Mary, not Joseph are in control. They're merely surrendering to the one who was. None of us are in control right now. This little guy, Canyon, it's okay. This little guy, Canyon, he's an awesome guy. He might think he's in control, but he's going to learn later in life that he is not in control. You want to wave at everybody, Canyon? All right. It strikes me that control is one of the great idols of our age. We try to shush our kids. We don't want people to think negatively of us. Surely the past two years of COVID have revealed that control is a great idol for us. On one level, a global pandemic, global supply shocks, inflation, 
all of these have revealed that we're less in control than we think we are. And without presuming to actually get too political, I think that's one of the major subtexts of the political fight that happens over COVID. It's not as much about COVID as much as about whose ability to control who else. The left's ability to control public health measures, the right's ability to want to have control over themselves and their own lives. Control is a great idol of our age and it affects all of us wherever we are on the political spectrum. But control is an illusion. You see, that's part of how I know the story is true. Not just that the first century records this miracle and nobody would have recorded this if they were really trying to pull the wool over someone else's eyes. See, if you were a Jew, you wouldn't want your king born to a maiden out of wedlock. And if you were a Roman, the major political entity of the time, you definitely wouldn't want your king or your emperor born in the backwater of what was then ancient Palestine. You see, that's one of the ways we know the story is true. And therefore, our response to it is to really surrender our own control of our own lives. To experience salvation is not the firm grasping of control over our lives, but it's simply the way of Mary and Joseph to the simple surrender of the one who really is in control. Your only hope in salvation lies in surrender of control. Control is real for God, though. If it's an illusion for us, it's real for God. Throughout the passage, he's God, the Holy Spirit, who helps Mary conceive in verse 18. He sends his angel to communicate to Joseph in a dream in verse 20. And he's the one who spoke by the prophet Isaiah in verse 22. But what does God do with that control? What does God do with the control that he has throughout the passage? Christians believe God is triune. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. You see all aspects of the Godhead, all persons of the Godhead here. And what does God do with that control? He becomes the second person in the Trinity. Jesus, the Son. Fully God and fully human inside Mary's womb. And then to be born to these earthly parents. The story of Christmas is that God has become with us. As verse 23 says, his name will be Emmanuel. That's what it means, God with us. The truth of the incarnation is that God really did have all the control and decided to relinquish it by becoming a human for us. There's a scene in the PBS show, Victoria, which depicts Queen Victoria in the 1800s and her husband, Prince Albert. Now, she had always wanted to go to vacation in Scotland to the north of her realm, and she'd never gotten to do it. And finally, she gets to do it, and they stay in this huge castle. They do all this hunting and all these fun things, but they're feeling cooped up. They have all these royal attendants that are always telling them what to do, and this is a young married couple, and they just want to get out and experience the wild of the Scottish highlands. And so they escape. Without attendance, they sneak out of the castle, and then they just go on horseback, riding all over the Scottish highlands. But as nightfall comes, they realize they don't know where they're going. They're completely lost on this desolate moor with Scottish highlands all around. They don't know where to turn, and they see this little tenant farmer's cottage. As nightfall comes, they don't know where else to go. So they knock on his door, and by this time, they're all dirty. They don't have royal garb on. They knock on the door. Will you let us in? We don't know where we're going. We need a place to stay. And the tenant farmer says, sure, come on in. Morning comes. Royal guards are out everywhere because they realize the queen of the entire realm, the most powerful empire on the planet at the time, 19th century British empire, they don't know where she is, so they're out everywhere. And eventually, one of the royal guards knocks on the door. Um, Do you have uh, the queen in there? And he goes, what? 
And then the queen and the prince sheepishly say, uh, yeah, we're here. And they were having a great time. And all the while, the farmer didn't know he had the queen in his midst. Friends like that, our king left to the convenience and wealth of heaven, renouncing control for the cramped quarters of earth. He came into our midst just like Queen Victoria into the midst of a poor farmer. And as the ancient church father Athanasius said, his real human body was mortal just like other bodies and liable to death. That's how much control he renounced, that he would subject himself to humanity. And by subjecting himself to human flesh and human emotions and human thoughts, he also subjected himself to human death to save the people from their sins, as verse 21 says. Jesus saves us from our need to control. From all the false ways we try to control others, by being the one who gave up control, by becoming human, and then by dying his death on the cross. Friends, that is good news. Let me pray. Our Father, may this Christmas story wash afresh over us again tonight. Help us to experience the reality of God becoming flesh by you sending your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you can join us next week. God bless and have a great week.